0: What is it? Mary Bliss popped her head up to get a look. The Lexus was where Catherine had pointed, but there was only one occupant, a dark-haired man. His head was thrown back, his eyes squeezed shut, his mouth a wide O, as if he were laughing at something. You're crazy, Catherine Weidman. I don't see Nancy Bowden at all. She started to stand. I'm getting a crick in my calves. Let's go home. Catherine duck-walked around to the passenger side of the jeep and snaked herself into the passenger seat. She slumped down in the seat so that her head was barely visible above the dashboard. I'm telling you, she's in there. You can just see the top of her head. With that guy. Look at his face, Mary Bliss. Don't you get it? Mary Bliss squinted, tried to get the man's face in better focus. Maybe he wasn't laughing. Oh, my Lord. Mary Bliss covered her eyes with both hands. She felt her face glowing hot red in the dark. You're such a virgin, Catherine cackled. What, you didn't know? That Nancy Bowden was hanging out in the Wind dixie parking lot giving oral sex to men in expensive cars? No, I don't think she mentioned it the last time I saw her at the garden club. Does Randy know? It's called a blow job. Yes, I'm pretty sure Randy knows what Nancy's been up to. Nancy and Randy are through. She moved into an apartment in Buckhead, He's staying in the house with the kids. I can't believe I didn't hear anything with them living right across the street, Mary Bliss said. The Bowdens? Are you sure? My heavens, that's the third couple on the block. Four counting us, Catherine said. You know what they're calling our end of the street, don't you? What? Split City. Mary Bliss put on the turn signal as she approached her driveway. Catherine reached over and flipped the signal off. "'Who are you signaling for? It's nearly midnight. There's nobody around. 687 people live in Fair Oaks, and 685 of them are in bed asleep. We're the only ones in this damn town who are awake.' Mary Bliss flipped the signal on again and completed her turn. "'By my count, it's 684. Parker's probably still up, waiting for me to come home. "'And you forget, at least one of our neighbors is still awake, "'over there fornicating in the parking lot at the Wind dixie Besides, it's the law, Catherine.' You may drive like a bat out of torment any time you like, but when I'm behind the wheel, this is how I drive, safe. You do everything safe, Catherine grumbled. You're the only woman I know who'll insist on a seat belt in her coffin. And if you want to get technical, Miss Press, what Nancy Bowden was doing in that Lexus was not actually fornicating, as far as I could see. I'm glad you're thinking of my funeral and Nancy Bowden's sex life when your own life is such a wreck, Mary Bliss said. You really are a mess, Catherine. No wonder Charlie left. I'm surprised it took him this long. Ha! Ah, Charlie likes round numbers. He wanted to wait until he'd been married exactly twenty years. That way, he could tell his therapist he'd given it two decades and the whole thing was hopeless. It makes him less of a bad guy. Mary Bliss turned off the ignition and unfastened her seatbelt. I still think you two could have worked things out if you just tried a little harder. Catherine pretended to be hurt. You're my best friend. Why is it so hard for you to believe that I'm better off without the jerk? I just wish you'd tried couples counseling, Mary Bliss said. Hey, Catherine said loudly, determined to get Mary Bliss off the therapy track. Did I tell you what I did today? I called Grimmy. Actually, she called me, looking for Charlie. He won't return her calls. He's been out of the house two months, and he still hasn't broken it to his mommy that he's getting divorced. Keeps saying her poor old heart won't take it, which is a load of crap. I'm tired of everybody tiptoeing around that old bag. So when she called, I said, Look, Grimmy, Charlie's left me, and I'm divorcing his ass. He's moved in with his girlfriend. Your son is pushing 15. he's living with a 29-year-old named Tara. And here's the rest of the newsflash. I am not a natural blonde, and I haven't been a virgin since I was 15. What did she do? She hung up. That's awful, Mary Bliss said. You want my advice? No, I do not. Mary Bliss plunged ahead. She'd been offering Catherine unsolicited advice ever since the day they'd met at the Fair Oaks Country Club swim meet, when Chip was seven and her own daughter Erin was six, and Mary Bliss had taken Catherine aside and tactfully suggested that a thong bathing suit was not appropriate for youth-oriented events. Catherine had laughed in her face, told her not to be such a biddy, and offered her a wine cooler. They'd been friends ever since. Catherine never took her advice but it made Mary Bliss feel better to be the voice of reason. Clean up your act, Kate, Mary Bliss said. Don't alienate Charlie's friends and family. Stop leaving those obscene messages on his answering machine. Stop ordering all that Victoria's Secret stuff and putting it on his American Express just to piss off Tara. Face facts. Charlie's not totally over you. Why else would he still be coming over for Sunday supper? He comes over because he wants to see you. To keep the door open. Catherine made a disparaging pooting noise. That ship has sailed, honey. You and I both know he's freeloading off me because Tara, the bitch whore, can't even fix microwave popcorn. And this is his way of keeping her guessing. But I'm not guessing anything. Trust me, M.B., it's over. You're telling me you wouldn't take him back? Right now? If he showed up at your door and said it had all been a hideous mistake? not even if he showed up with a 12-carat diamond and grew a 12-inch penis and knew what to do with it. She jiggled the ice in her cup impatiently, wanting to fix herself another drink, but knew it would just get Mary Bliss on a jag about her drinking. Talk about denial, Mary Bliss said. Face it, sugar, it's not over yet. You and Charlie are right for each other. It's destiny. Catherine found the bottle and shakily poured more gin into her plastic cup. She knew she was drunk, and she knew she was slurring her words. For your information, Ms. McGowan, my marriage is dead, flatline, no pulse, no brain activity, certainly no sex activity. Now go on inside now, Mary Bliss. Tell Parker McGowan what a lucky man he is. Hell, give him a blowjob while you're at it. I can drive home. It's only a block. Mary Bliss grabbed the drink out of Catherine's hand and threw it out the window of the Jeep. Stop it. "'You're revolting. Just leave the car here and walk home. I'll walk with you.' "'No way,' Catherine said. "'Charlie cruises the neighborhood every night after he thinks I've already gone to bed. "'If the Jeep isn't there, he'll start calling and raising hell. "'And if he sees it over here, he'll think I'm over here boo-hooing to you and Parker. "'Maybe he'll think you miss him,' Mary Bliss said. "'Maybe he's already come to his senses. "'He wouldn't go looking for you unless he missed you, idiot.' "'He's an idiot.' Catherine said, yawning. He misses the Jeep, not me. Catherine climbed over the console and into the driver's seat, nimble as anything, despite her advanced state of intoxication. You know the problem with you, Mary Bliss? You keep assuming that everybody else's marriage is like yours. You have no idea what a real marriage is like. You and Parker are like Ozzie and Harriet, Mary Bliss. You're a couple of dinosaurs. Maybe so, Mary Bliss said. She blew Catherine a kiss. Sweet dreams, Kate, and don't forget to lock up. All the lights were on. The television in the den was blaring, and the CD player in the kitchen was blaring Aaron's favorite music, some sort of gangster rap whose nasty lyrics made the large vein in Mary Bliss's forehead throb in indignation. She walked through the house, switching off the lights, the television, and the CD player. The bedroom was dark. She felt her way to the closet, dropped her damp bathing suit and shorts in the hamper, and pulled on a clean cotton nightgown. In the bathroom, she brushed her teeth and creamed her face with moisturizers. She switched off the bathroom light and made her way to her side of the bed. She pulled back the sheets on the big four-poster bed. No pillows. She smiled to herself. Parker had stolen them again. He was such a pillow hog. Honey, she pulled herself close to the warm, drowsing form in the middle of the bed. Park, you wake? But the smell was all wrong perfume instead of antiperspirant and long thick hair curled over a bare shoulder, mommy. Aaron's voice was groggy. Where's daddy? She sat on the floor of Parker's closet, held a note in her hand, and dialed Parker's cell phone number. No answer. She dialed again, squinting at the readout window on her own phone to make sure she hadn't made a mistake. But the number was correct, and nobody was answering. Mary Bliss put the phone down again and looked at the note. The bastard hadn't even bothered to use a whole sheet of paper. It was written on the back of a junk mail envelope. MB, it said, I'm gone. Mama's all paid up at the nursing home. Tell Aaron I'll call when I'm settled. You're a good woman, and I'm sorry things didn't work out. Sincerely, A. Parker McGowan. Mama? Mary Bliss crawled to the door of the closet. Aaron was wrapped in the big comforter, huddled in the middle of the king-sized bed. Her hazel eyes were clouded with sleep and confusion. Did you forget again? That Daddy was going out of town? Stupid old...